Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian here with Jimmy and Paul. And today we're going to be covering episode three of the new Disney Plus series, Moon Knight. And episode three brings the story to Egypt. This was the first episode that I had a chance to watch through twice. So my notes are definitely thankful for that. Uh, But I also thought that this was the first episode where I felt a little bit confident that I kind of was familiar with the dynamics at play between Steve and Mark and Conchu. And I could kind of just take a step back and focus on a little bit of the bigger picture. I feel like the first two episodes were really focused on just the dynamic going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, though, we have some new Egyptian gods entering the play, a couple badass fight sequences and another, albeit brief, appearance from Mr. Knight. Mr. All Knight. I'd say it was a solid episode three. What are we thinking, boys? Yeah, I thought it was great. Paul, we might as well let you jump in, say what you have to say, because you missed episode two and you told me off pod you had some things to say and I'm dying to hear it. So hit me up here. (laughs) I did. I had some technical difficulties missed out on episode two, but I was loving your guys talk about the relationship, about who really had control like, is it really Mark's life? And then, you know, uh, Stephen was added in later, you know, was Stephen around the whole time? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I liked you guys talking about that. I, I wanted to jump in and, like, give my points when I was listening to the episode, but it sucks not being there. So it's good to be here for this one. Um, I'm absolutely loving it. Stephen's mind is set on peace, and, you know, Mark is, you know, I got to do what I got to do. So it's it's great to see them interacting now, too, now that, you know, Stephen's starting to realize what's going on. Uh, I thought episode three was really throwing us into the world building aspect, too. I mean, not only are we now in Egypt, which is sweet, but we got all the other gods and them talking through their avatars at that, like, council meeting. I thought that was insane. And just a little bit more insight into the gods' powers and abilities right. and what they can do, like what we saw Khonshu do, it was amazing. And I'm so excited to watch episode four. Yeah, I agree. I was bringing it up in the last episode that Moon Knight is, is supposed to be kind of in its own bubble and it's it's not going to correlate to the larger MCU as much. But really, it, it does. This episode especially because... Anytime you bring something like gods into the picture, you're talking about gods here. Mm-hmm. You know, we probably won't get them too much. And it is probably just fun to have them for this series. And for whatever Mark Spector slash Steven slash Moon Knight is in in the future. But anytime you bring in gods, that's a big deal. We have the war. We have the Eternals. These strong gods that can do crazy things to not just Mark's world in Egypt they can control and do things throughout you know the MCU and they do say that on earth they're just spectating through their avatars but who knows if that could change at any point we also got another thing that kind of brings us into the MCU and that was the talk of Madripoor yes we had, the, we had the call out for Madripoor Fat doves, baby. Let's go. So we had Layla and and makes sense. She works in the black market. So the fact that she would be in Madripoor totally makes sense. And she probably has worked with our girl. And who's our girl? The power broker. The power broker. Yeah, she's probably dealt with her at least whether it's her as the power broker or just her as herself. It's just 
really cool to have these random drops. I enjoyed everything like you guys said about finding out about these avatars and how they work specifically. Conchu back and forth with Mark and Steven has been good. I didn't expect him to be as big of a character or as important of a character as he is. I kind of thought he would be in the background and kind of just like yelling at him, but they are having conversations. He is moving the plot a lot, so it's enjoyable, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about this episode. So you thought Steven was going to take a backseat since they kind of changed who controlled the body? Is that what you were saying? I was thinking that once we were on the mission, that mostly it would be Mark, and I guess that's right, but mm-hmm. I also thought that Kanshu would just mainly be someone in their head not necessarily always like episode three he's chilling there like they see him standing there a lot and we did get that in episode two plenty but i didn't Mm -hmm. think it was going to be as prominent as it was in episode three yeah well that definitely didn't come to fruition i mean steven was it seemed like he had more influence than i was expecting him to have when he was in the back seat the fact that he could like kind of overpower his will and even in the middle of fights just be like hey stop it it was kind of getting annoying a little bit if i'm being honest because mark was just trying to be a badass yeah um yeah i'm kind of glad that they're still leaving steven in the spotlight and i guess that's kind of the charm of the series and the character um is the fact that you know it is two people in the same body so they might as well flesh that out as much as they can and and highlight it I, I like the Steven, you know, like the angel devil thing going on on each other. Like he's trying to tell him the right thing to do. But at the same time, it's like, you know, Steven, like, you know, these guys are going to kill us if yeah. we don't do anything. Right. Like, yeah. like this isn't just like at one point, you know, to jump towards the end of the episode, Steven is finally like takes over control and he's like, Mark, come on, let's just talk to these guys. And all of a sudden he gets like three spears in his chest. He's like, Mark, yeah. take the body. Mark, take the body. It's like, yeah, like, come on, Steven. Like now, now maybe you understand about like why he needs to actually fight these guys. And that, that was pretty funny. It's good to see them kind of working this situation out, though. It seems like they're becoming more collaborators than they were adversaries at the beginning of the series. Yeah, and we need to talk about Oscar Isaac because this episode specifically highlights Mm. back and forth, especially in the scenes where they're jumping. And it's not as much as it was in episode one where he blacks out and wakes up. They did do that, but sometimes it's just he's talking and then he's talking and it's one to the other and the accent changes and it's amazing. Brian, you were talking about how some people were saying they didn't like the accent as much and Marvel was a little bit hesitant about it. And you were saying you love it. And I can't agree more because it would be so confusing if he had the same accent talking back and forth, back and forth. But having one accent and him jumping back and forth between Stephen and Mark is just amazing on the screen. Yeah. And I I thought instantly of that one scene kind of towards the end of the episode when they're trying to work out the constellations and Layla's like, Hey, I think we really need Steven. There's no change in the camera frame or whatever. It's just one constant shot of his face. One second, he's Mark the other he's Steven. And that's, that's all on Oscar Isaac. It was just money. Yeah. Do do you think like we were talking about how Oscar Isaac actually talked his way into using the accent for the show. Do you think like that was his reasoning that it's way easier to distinguish 
between this timid Steven and this like, you know, brutal Mark. He didn't like like you guys said, he didn't want the same voice arguing back and forth. Yeah, I'm sure that they envisioned it like, all right, it's the same accent, but it's just a different inflection on your tone. Like one's timid and one's a badass. But at the same time, that's still tough. That's still really Mm -hmm. tough to pull off on screen. But having the two different accents along with the different inflections, just it's just money. Yeah, he's a beast. I think he was great for this role. I mean, he's making it his own, and it's it's so lovable. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. But are we ready to get going on this episode? Let's do it. Sorry. All right. So first scene was actually pretty interesting. It is Layla with an unnamed older woman who she clearly seems to know from her past, uh, but she is getting a fake passport made. And it was kind of funny because she was asking her questions as if she was the person in the TSA, like, oh, where's your passport? Are you the person in this picture? Like, you know, what do you what brings you to Egypt, essentially? So I thought that was funny. Uh, But we get a little bit of her past. Uh, She's from Egypt, but hasn't been there in 10 years. They refer to Egypt as Layla's home. We get her backstory. She deals in the black market, but doesn't consider herself a thief or a thief rather, because she only steals back what's already been stolen and Mm -hmm. kind of returns them to their rightful home. Um, And then we hear a little bit about her father, who it seemed died under mysterious circumstances in an archaeological dig. And she Uh says, whatever happened in that desert is lost in the sands, yada, yada, yada. It seems like there's a pretty big question mark there. But we had someone talking about it and talking some shit. Arthur did say that Mark probably had something to do with it. And that's and he reacted like he did. And then he lied later. So that's going to be a thing. Oh, definitely. It's going to be a thing. Is it confirmed? Well, I don't think they said anything about the father being definitely dead. They just said gone. They insinuated that like he wasn't around anymore. So that's true. He I want to put that out there that he might make an appearance. You know, if he died anytime they say, yeah, yeah, if, if it's dead, not here. Anything, if no one's seen it happen, they can come back, you know, and, but we might get the confirmation that Mark somehow had something to do with his death. Yeah, like uh, in episode two, when they were getting Stephen arresting him, the fake cops, they said like, oh, like the actual Mark Spector, you know, he died on a mission like in Egypt or something like that, like right in front of or at a dig site. I think it was what it was. And maybe that's, you know, how the whole thing with Conchie got started. Right. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if. Her father, you know, died at an archaeological dig site and then became the avatar for another one of the gods. Like he could have, what are the chances Layla's dad was in that like council meeting representing somebody else? That would be cool. I don't know if Mark met him or if yeah, the whole right. thing about Mark having anything to do with it would be a I problem. Guess because, supposed to be married. <laughs> yeah, because he would be like, hey, what are you doing here in, in the Pyramid of Giza? But if he never met him and doesn't know what he would look like, that would be sweet. Yeah, I'm also not sure if the other Egyptian gods compose themselves in that way. Like, I feel like maybe it's only Khonshu that has to resurrect a dead guy to become an avatar. The other ones seem like they had some, you know, upstanding characters as their avatars. Um, But yeah, that that whole situation of Layla's dad seems clouded in a little bit of mystery. Uh, Paul, I completely first thing my mind went to is that dude's still alive. No way he's not. But now, Jimmy, you're saying maybe 
And we're not sure about the timelines, but maybe uh, his disappearance is connected to Mark slash Steven's situation and the emergence mm. of Conchu remains to be seen. I'm sure that is going to play out and we'll get some answers to that soon enough. Um, Real quick before we move on. One thing I did think about is maybe her father was killed by Arthur by doing the whole scales thing. And was like, oh, you're a bad person. Mm, OK. So, OK. Maybe her father's but- Arthur. <laughs> just kidding maybe yeah she would have recognized him totally <laughs> <joke>. <laughs> uh for sure my other question was who was, Tags, who he's, was like, this? he's like look he's like for sure no that can't be possible no my other Bastard. question was who is this old woman because apparently she's the one that taught layla everything she knows and i was i wasn't talking smack on layla in episode two's podcast but i was saying i'm a little bit indifferent about her i think this was a great episode for layla and i actually got a chance to rewatch episode two that played back much more favorably in my Mm -hmm. eyes for her too uh i think she's a good character jimmy exactly what you said in the last coverage like she's going to be a great number two for our boy mark um but who do we think this old woman is I she don't know. Cool. Yeah, she seemed really cool. And it, it I was almost it, getting like vibes like it was like the mom of the dad, like her grandmother or her aunt or something like it's the dad's sister. She knew I, of the family. Yeah, like she acted like she's like, I'm missing him, too. But it's your pain to deal with, I guess, or something along. Sounded like I was getting the vibe that she was like a family friend slash caretaker of Layla. Uh, while the dad was away on his digs, whatever. Something I'm not like sure. That. Yeah, that yeah I'm not sense. sure if she's going to play a big part or anything, but I thought the character was good and she had a good dialogue with Layla. She definitely worked in the underground just because of what one she was doing, making her, you know, a fake passport. Honestly, yeah. a real passport at that point. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like a real passport. Yeah. Um, and she was talking to Layla about Layla's job and about how her job is literally stealing art. Well, stealing stolen art, stealing it back and, you know, maybe keeping some for herself. Yeah, you got it. You got to pay the bills, man. So she definitely works in the underground. Maybe, you know, the old lady was, you know, partying in Madripoor back in the day. Hell yeah, she was partying. If I'm the actress being cast as for now, we'll call her not necessarily an extra, but like a smaller part. I would be so happy that I'm cast as someone who's working the underground as a passport person because she could come back at any time when any of our homie superheroes needs okay. a passport. Like, obviously, this this came to fruition for Fat Dubs, other other movies where they need things and they need it fast. And we could see her again at some point if she's not a big part of the show. Who knows? Oh, yeah. She might just be one of those go-to guys. Yeah, yeah, I'd be down for that. I was getting a good vibe from her, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be down to see her again. Uh, but moving away from this scene, it kind of takes us to the events that are taking place in Egypt. We get a quick shot of Arthur, who has already made his way over to Egypt with his follower, and they are just in the middle of the desert. Assumedly, they are pursuing Amit's tomb now that they have the compass that leads them to it. But one of his goons comes up and says, Hey, Mark Spector is in Cairo. We think he's tailing us, which takes us to the next scene, which is Mark streaking across rooftops and trying to chase down some of Arthur's goons. And this was the first fight scene of the episode. I thought it was a really good one. And it Mm -hmm. highlights that Mark doesn't need that suit to be a badass. He knows how to take care of himself. And this is something I want to talk to you guys about this entire fight scene, because it does go for a little bit longer through a few scenes we have mark 
And then we have Steven telling him, don't do it, don't do it. And then he blacks out. And then when he wakes up, people are getting stabbed and killed. Now, we know that in the first part of the fight scene, Mark was not going to do anything to the kid. He stopped his punch and didn't want to hurt him because he's just a kid. Later, he says the same thing about holding him over the edge. But Mark and Steven both said, who was that? When yeah, somebody right. when people are dying now, Moon Knight is brutal when he's in the comics, brutal, bloody, gory. Are we thinking that Kanchu can take over at certain times somehow if maybe Marcus and and Steven are fighting too much and he could slip in? Or is there a third entity that we don't know yet? So that's what my mind initially went to is that Kanchu is just this third party that sometimes can go in, but that doesn't seem consistent with kind of the rules that they're setting up for how yeah. the situation is working. So what I'm thinking, uh, Jimmy, is what you just said. Moon Knight in the comics, he's supposed to be this brutal personality. Maybe this third just like vigilant, vigilante persona is arising just because of their proximity to Conchu in the suit. Like, yeah, that's all I had yeah. to say. Maybe there is just a third more brutal, like, strictly Moon Knight persona that's coming okay. up. When Arthur was talking to Steven, saying, like, oh, like, is, is Kanchu here right now? Like, oh, don't worry. He can't do anything. Yeah. Like, he, he can only use you. Exactly. So I would, I want to say no, like, it wasn't Kanchu controlling the body. Right. Um, I want to say that it was a third personality, some like exactly what you guys are saying. And then I, I just want to toot my own horn a little bit because back in episode one, I was like, hey, maybe there's another, a third yeah, one that did, Mark, Mark is honestly just Cleaning like the, the cleanup mess. guy for. Yeah, there you uh, go. Toot it, bro. Toot I, it off. Yeah, yeah. Toot, so toot. I, I just want to see more of this brutal guy's fight because like we were kind of getting like Steven episodes and we were getting episodes from the, from the perspective of Mark. I hope you get that like third brutal personality episode point of view all the yeah. same. Cause that would be sick. The one that would thing, be the actual fights. Yeah. Yeah. That would be the actual moon Knight brutal fights. Now, the one thing I will say to the defense of it, maybe actually being Conchu is Arthur said Kanchu likes taking broken people, broken minds, or at least weak minds. So maybe a normal avatar or a normal God can't take over an avatar. Well, let's say, okay, a normal Kanchu God can't take over an avatar and, and do things without being given control. But maybe if they're broken, their mind is broken. That has something to do with it. And the fighting between the two of them or the extra personalities or the weak mind will let Kanchu in. And it's just another thing about Mark that Kanchu likes for having him as an avatar, because later in the pyramid, we do get a thing where Kanchu was like, he's not broken. He's fine. He's fine. And that could just be like, you know, listen to us, listen to what we're trying to say. But it could be like, don't make me leave Mark. I like Mark because they're they're broken and I can slip in sometimes. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of agree that there's probably a third entity, but I I do think there's a little bit of merit to maybe the broken mind, weak mind thing kind of allows Conchu in at, at certain times. The one last thing I want to say about that is Kanchu is in stone now, you know, at the end of this episode, which was sweet. And I think mm -hmm. that's a really cool punishment. I feel like they wouldn't have introduced, you know, this third, who is that, you know, mystery and then seal Kanchu away. And now it's like, you know, now it can't pop up again until Kanchu's back. If 
is right. that you're going that way. Well, so. obviously, if he pops up next episode and Conchu's not saved yet, we yeah. know Paul's correct. Exactly. And that'll yeah. be cool. I hope his name's something crazy, like with Xavier, like an X. Nah, I can't Steven is normal. Xavier's <laughs> taken. Oh, yeah. Paul. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Know, yeah, we'll see him in Doctor Strange, so, so stop that, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Conchu tells Mark to dangle the kid over the edge, and the kid, yeah. you know, to his credit, young kid sticks to his guns, prays on it. He's dead. Uh, but then Mark Conchu's just like, oh, I thought he was going to talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit funny, just you know, not sorry at all. Uh, but then Steven and Mark have it out. Like we said, they're just like, yeah, why are you going on this killing spree? That wasn't me. Who was it? Um, but they can't really have time to discuss it, um, which would have been great because then we would have gotten our answer. Uh, then Mark just says, Steven, get out of my head. Like, I got to talk to Conchu. And they start thinking of, OK, we lost all our leads on where Arthur and his people are going. We got to find Amit's tomb and cut him off before he resurrects. Uh, them which brings them to the only solution mark says what what are all the other gods up to why is this all on you Conchu?" and he's like well you know they don't like to be disturbed but if we got to do it we got to do it um so this is where he literally blacks out the moon and turns it into like a manufactured crescent and that is it's not him calling the gods he said it was a sign that was too big for them to miss so they had to address it if he did that uh and sure enough uh, did you get the name? I thought it was called like the Ennead is what they called the meeting of the Egyptian. Oh, I didn't get Egyptian the name. Gods. Yeah, he dropped he name dropped like the name of the meeting. I think it was E-N-N-E-A-D, Ennead. Uh, okay. but he said, you know, when the Ennead is meeting, a portal will present itself wherever you are in the world. And sure enough, the portal presents itself. Mark looks at Concha. What? You're not coming with me, bro? He says, oh, I'll be, I'll there. be there. Don't dude. you worry. Um, and that's where he goes through this portal and it opens up into the Great Pyramid of Giza. And Stephen is fangirling through his little reflective mirror like, oh, my <laughs> yeah. God, we're in the pyramid. I got to chill. Um, but this is where we get our introductions first to the avatars of the Egyptian gods, but then to the Egyptian gods. Yeah. And Paul, you get any vibes between the goddess of music and Kanchu? And she said yeah. he used to like my music back in the day. <laughs> there was nothing but smiles from them and t- total flirting. She was the only one nice to him, too. Yeah. Nice enough to say, like, oh, do you even know what's going to happen? And then t- they're like, oh, yeah, it's going to hurt a little bit. It's going to feel weird, but you get used to it. You had no <laughs> idea Kanchi was going to take over. Like, so exactly right there when, uh, you know, Mark says, oh, are you going to come? Conchie says, oh, I'll be there. Like, Conchie, what a dick move. He could have told him exactly what was going to happen, but he just, he like doesn't really give a shit. It's kind of funny. But yeah, there's going to be some making out later. Yeah. And to what you were saying, B Toms, it's like poking the bear pretty much. Like, they don't want Conchie to be doing anything in the real world because they're just spectating. And it has to do with what happens to Conchie later. So he causes the eclipse. They get pissed. Here comes the meeting. The meeting doesn't go well. We'll get into that in a second. And then he knows later when he does what he does is it's going to cause the gods to be like, all right, this dude's done. He's out. Mm. Mark, come save me later. But yeah, I I thought it was really cool that it was in the Pyramid of Giza. Steven, amazing again, just fanboying. I love it. I love the mirror thing. I love the reflection thing, whether it's Steven or Mark back and forth thought that was awesome uh i I, if i'm gonna be completely honest i didn't expect 
all the gods to be showing up in this show. I really uh, I was did. pretty that yeah, escalated it pretty yeah. quickly because yeah. that's a lot of power coming in. Like, OK, so Conchu caused the lunar eclipse, right? That's what mm. that was. Um, that makes sense because, you know, he's Conchu, the moon god. Right. I think, you know, hence why he can change the night back later on in the episode, which is sweet. You know, the, the I like how they're putting kind of putting limits on God's powers. So yeah. I want it to kind of write them all down and keep track, but we didn't get a whole lot. So I'm hoping to give us more. I didn't get any that I recognized, to be honest. And I was, did you? Yeah. So if you had the subtitles on it, she was pronouncing them differently. than uh, I've heard them. It was Horus, Isis, oh. Tefnet, Osiris, and Hattor. And the only one of those that I haven't heard of is Hattor. Okay. Uh, I knew three out of the five of those. Horus, actually, Isis, so. and Osiris are yeah. Three of the biggest yeah. Egyptian gods, I think. Yeah. Just, okay. Uh, in terms of their names, and it seems like there is absolutely no love lost between them and Conchu. They tell right. him straight up, bro. Last time we met here, we banished your ass, uh, and he said for nearly exposing us. So who yeah. knows what Conchu did there? Plus, I just said we don't like your garishness. Like you're too bold for us. We don't yeah. operate the same way you do. Not yeah, only did we banish you, but we don't like you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> You're a piece of shit, bro. Screams during the meeting through. Why oh, my God. Like, talk like normal. So awkward. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Paul, I have a I have an important question to ask you. You were talking about the lunar eclipse. Have you ever seen the sun and the moon in the same place? No. Do you they're, they're the, the same, same person? person. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This little family guy for you. <laughs> I didn't Peter. know, but I just assumed yeah. <laughs> it was a Family Guy reference with you too. Is is it on? Okay, now plug it in. Plug it in. <laughs> Say Mister Three Thousand on top. All right, <laughs> all, right. all right, love you too. Bye bye. Um, yeah, but <laughs> now I can't think. I'm all thinking about fucking Family Guy. Yeah, but him uh, screaming <laughs> when he's trying to talk, and like they're all taking over and just talking normal, and Conch yeah. like, yeah screaming it's hilarious another thing that they're asking oscar isaac to do as an actor yeah ridiculous i couldn't yeah. imagine acting those scenes and just like mouthing the words for conchu yeah uh but so right when conchu appears through mark he kind of has it out with the gods separate from the issue with arthur he kind of he says that they abandoned humanity and that mm. he's the only one saying they need the godly fist. They can't do it themselves. They need our muscle to back them to right. carry out justice or whatever. Uh, and then the gods, uh, who was the leader? I think Osiris was kind of the guy in the suit that the was suit, like yeah. speaking for the meeting. But he said, no, 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 no. It was humanity that abandoned us. Like we are pretty content, like you said, Jimmy, being spectators and operating through our avatars. That is plenty for us to carry out our wills, right. should we say. Uh, but at that point, they say, you know, that's not the topic at hand. Let's let's get to the topic at hand. And Conchu starts to accuse Arthur Harrow of conspiracy to resurrect Amit, which Osiris is immediately like, yo, bro, you can't just be throwing that accusation around. That's a heavy one. Yeah. Um, and they say, well, why don't we bring in the accused and enter Arthur Harrow, who actually uh, when the eclipse happened, he looked up and said, yeah. oh, you're getting desperate, old bird. And he said, I'm about to be summoned. So he he knew this was going to happen, which is a nice tip of the cap to Arthur knows what's going on. He's a pretty smart, yeah. savvy guy. I, I was going to say there's something about Arthur's nonchalance about everything that's going on, even though that Mark and Concho are making moves. He's so calm. That makes him terrifying. 
And like, yeah. he genuinely does think he's the good guy. Like, oh, exactly what you're saying. Like, oh, you're getting desperate. Like, you're just watching the sky roll back or like watching a, a lunar eclipse come out of nowhere. And you're just like completely calm. It's he's he's a terrifying dude. There's something about Arthur that there has to be a little bit more than what he already is. You know, just because you're the former avatar, we can speculate in a little bit when we get to the scene where Kanchu actually is turned into stone, but he's having a conversation with another God very nonchalantly, like you're saying, Paul, where why would they bring him back for this conversation just because he's the prior avatar? But we'll get into that in a second. I just want to say these gods are pretty shitty because if there's (laughs) I mean, I guess when they say they speculate through their avatar, that means they can only see what their avatar sees or something. But how if you're a god, I would feel like you could just like see what's going on and you can obviously yeah. see that Arthur is doing what he's doing. I, and he's just like, yo, no, I'm not. I was not thinking that it. too. <laughs> um, and then they go on to make the point that even the gods don't know where Amit's tomb is buried. Right. So right. it's not like they can go check up on it. And, yeah, like, but you should be able to I see. Guess- what are you yeah. doing? You should be able to check up on Arthur Harrow and be like, why is this guy bringing all his followers to the middle of this desert in Egypt? And he's got the <laughs> scarab that supposedly points directly to Amit's tomb. Nah, and he's, he's outwardly, probably clean. And he, yeah. And he's outwardly doing Amit's bidding yeah. using the cane. And he talks to, to people that. about Amit a lot. Uh, it's and weird. he just sent a teleporter to get him to the council in Giza, you send him a teleporter literally in Egypt, like right next to Ahmed's tomb. And I mean, I guess the way that he does get away with it is kind of criticizing that Kanchu is an unreliable source of yeah. information and saying, look at his avatar. He, his avatar doesn't even know what his own name is, yada, yada, yada. So right. he he rips down uh, attacking the, the attacking and- the speaker. To just yes. like ruin his argument, basically. Rips right. down all the credibility of Kanchu, which exactly. the gods eat up Easy. because <laughs> I guess with their prior history, they were looking for a reason to doubt Kanchu. Anyway, yeah. Arthur Harrow walks in calm, cool, collected, expecting all this. And, you know, they bought it hook, line and sinker. So I agree with you, Jimmy. If they're supposed to be all knowing gods, like they should be able to just be like, what's what's Harrow up to? Like, yeah. oh, he's yeah. looking for Amit's tomb screw this guy uh, <laughs> but they bought the lie so i guess you know, arthur is off the hook the only thing that i could think of is this is exactly the point of conchu with conchu saying you're not mm-hmm. taking part in humanity and they're saying ah oh, we're fine spectating through our avatar so maybe it is the fact that they're just like we don't give a shit do your freaking thing and they're just yeah. laying back eating some grapes on their throne and doing the damn thing you know yeah, it I, seems like a lot of paperwork to do <laughs> Yeah, I was not doing it. Uh, So but to continue with this scene, Arthur says, you know, Khonshu is abusing this man the same way that he abused me back when I was his avatar. At this point, Osiris says, well, let us speak to Mark Spector. You know, do you what was the exact question? Do you feel do you feel you're broken or do you feel like you're being abused? Or maybe it was like, do you feel on? It was, do you feel unwell is what it was. Um, And he says, yes, I am unwell, but that doesn't change that what Arthur is doing is wrong, essentially. Like, yeah, Conchu's screwing me up, but like Arthur's (laughs) still the bad guy here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
And they're asking, yeah, they're asking him back and forth between, you know, do you believe in Conchu? Do you like Conchu? And he's like, I'm not on trial here. Me versus Conchu. This Mm -hmm. is Arthur. That's the problem. But they don't believe anything he's saying. Yeah. So did you guys notice like the empty seats in the pyramid? It kind of paid through. Well, they do say later that some of the gods have been turned to stone, just like Conchu. So, yeah, that's what I was going to ask, you know, assuming do you think some died or do you think they got imprisoned or, you know, Amit, obviously, you know, that's in prison. So there's right. an empty chair right there. Where's I the how many there are. Used to say I did not notice the chairs, but yeah, some turned to stone. Some, I don't know, maybe they had other shit going on. Who knows? <laughs> um, They're busy. But, Too busy yeah. to show up. Yeah. yeah, super busy. But essentially, Osiris hears both sides and he says, well, as of right now, Arthur's done nothing wrong yet. So meeting adjourned, you're shit out of luck, can't you? Uh, and all the avatars and their gods leave. Uh, but it does leave Hattor's avatar. Astil? Steel? <clears throat> it leaves Hattor's avatar to speak to Mark, Conchu's avatar. And clearly she seems to be an ally right here. Yeah. Maybe that's because of the past connection between Conchu and her God, who knows, but she's trying to help Mark out, gives him an alternate path uh, to potentially find Amit's tomb. And she says there was this Magi sent way back in the day. He was the only one that was told the location of the tomb. Uh, he's long gone by now, but if you are able to locate his sarcophagus, that's probably your best bet for a clue uh, towards where Amit's tomb is. Mm-hmm. And she says the last time the sarcophagus was seen was when it was sold on the black market. So there's your lead. And don't we know someone who works on the black market trying to find Egyptian relics? Yeah, I think we do. Isn't What's he like name? married Li- to her? Yeah. Lily? Yeah. Was name Lily or something? I think he's yeah. married to her. Pretty convenient. But the balls on this guy, he walks right into Cairo Village Square. Goes right to this, after. Like, he, yeah. There's this fruit vendor and he's just like, hey, I'm looking for Senfu's tomb. Yeah. So I was like, Senfu's tomb? What the hell are you talking about? But luckily, Layla's right there. He's just like, are you kidding me, bro? Like, let's do this. It is funny because she's like, you asked the right question. You asked the right guy, but you're not Egyptian. You're sketchy as shit, man. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you said, the whole town square is effed up because of him. And he's wearing a black hat, like the typical, like we said, Chris Evans as as Captain America and Bucky when he's wearing the hat. It's like, oh, now I'm disguised. It's Clark Kent with his glasses on. Yeah, but what? it's all good. He's uh, he's there. We finally get Layla back into the picture. They're going to be a team again. But, you know, they're both not happy about it. Now she knows confirmed there's something going on with Mark and Steven. And to our question in episode two, she had no idea. No idea about mm. Steven. Yeah. Yeah. They get that scene where they're having kind of a talking, party boat talking. Everything. Yeah. It <laughs> seems like everybody else is having a lot better time than they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of get a little bit of, uh, I don't want to say answers. Layla didn't really get answers, but she was kind of getting a little bit more truth of the matter. And if I was her, like she picked up on the Steven thing right away too. She, a lot yeah. of the time she's like, we need Steven, just get him back out here. Right. Which is really cool to think about. Cause before we were like, get Mark, get the fighter. Right. And now we're like, Oh, get the, get the fucking nerd guy. He's the one that, <laughs> yeah, get the nerd guy. Yeah. You need him, man. It's cool. It's cool. How we have Mark the badass and Steven knows all of the Egyptian 
everything that they need when it comes to that kind of stuff. So back and forth, back and forth, just like we said, they're not fully homies yet, but they're working on it. They're working on their issues to jump forward. You know, when they're actually at the sarcophagus, they're kind of like yelling at each other in the, the, the pyramid display room, whatever that mm-hmm. was. That was funny. And, and uh, Layla's like, oh, he just needs a minute in front of the coffin and yeah. sarcophagus. And he looks and he's like freaking out by himself. Oh, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's just praying. He's, he's just, just praying. praying. And I actually need to do a double take there because this is the first time. And you already said it, Paul. They're they're walking together. And the person that Layla knows, the, the head of this whole operation, he asks why and only wants to talk to Stephen or Mark. He asks why he wants to deal, you know, this, to see the sarcophagus, to buy it off him, whatever it is. Why? Well, he traveled all the way out there. Yeah. yeah. And Mark hilariously is like, mm, I don't freaking know, man. And Layla says, bring Steven out. That was mm. the first time it's been said. And I was like, whoa, whoa, let me let me rewind here. Was that Steven? Did I hear her say it wrong? So finally, it's Mark out. And Steven is being asked for by someone yeah. that's not Mark. Um, and I guess to rewind a little bit, this is one of Layla's old connections. His name is Anton Mogart. He just mm-hmm. seems like this ridiculously wealthy guy. Uh, they walk onto this beach and he has a full on jousting set up, just yeah. set up there. And Mark asks. So this guy's rich enough to just have a jousting set up in his backyard. She's just like, no, he's rich enough to have like a professional come in the best teacher in the world and give him a private lesson in his backyard. Like that's how rich this guy is. Um, He's not. He's a really cool character. And he was the manager for. Yeah, I wish he looks exactly like he would be slinging (laughs) under the counter for manager for. Yeah, and they obviously, whatever reason, we didn't really get fully the betrayal at, from his words. But Layla and Anton, they're not, mm-hmm. they're not mm-hmm. on the best of terms. He does openly welcome her at first. He's got but, a crush on her. Yeah, definitely. He's not happy with Mark being there when she says husband. Yeah, it doesn't but shake you, his hand. That was right, funny. but you could tell her hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you could tell shit's hits the fan way quicker than it normally would if there was any trust. He had no trust in yeah. her. So and, and that's all it is. When they get when they go in to observe the sarcophagus, they only get what the five minutes before uh the security guard feet. back comes up with a gun. Like, what are you doing, dude? And Mark real quick like disarms him and points it back, but Layla's been compromised, so he just has to surrender. How did yeah. they get out of that actually? Is that when Glass Arthur feet. shows up? Yeah. I yeah. So <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> glass feet. Well, yeah. Well, by the way, speaking of glass feet, you guys noticed, right? This episode, they were highlighting it majorly. You could hear the glass breaking every time he walked. I didn't notice yeah. it as much in episode two, but episode three, this episode, when he's walking, you can hear the crunching every time he, he's walking. He does go like gingerly with like with the cane too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but yeah. So the thing we kind of missed is the, the point is that Layla wants Steven because Steven's the one that can actually help in this scenario. Mark says, fat chance, bro, not happening. He's not coming out. I'm not giving it up. So he's praying and they're arguing. And it's Steven that's in the reflection who's saying, all right, all right, fold this here, fold that there. I think we're going to be able to figure this out. And of course, 
if you're Mark and you're touching the sarcophagus yeah. like that, they're going to be like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Yeah. But like you said, he disarms them. And then Arthur shows up. We have a third party that's interested. And that's why it kind of breaks up the, the situation. Shows him a little bit of Amit's power. What, what what did he do exactly? He just blew, he basically blew up the sarcophagus. So how yeah. I, I'm wondering how he figured out how to get back the map back into I was, the star. But I, I, yeah, I was like, dude, like you just walk in, blow up the sarcophagus of this ancient ruin, and say you're welcome. You're like <laughs> if you want some more, you know where to find me. It's like what? I didn't get that at all. Yeah, why would like Anton not just turn the guns on him for coming in, blowing up the spot? But he he seemed to be like, I don't even know. He seemed to be offering his powers or services to Anton. Like, look at what I can do. You want me in your corner rather Mm -hmm. than oppose. So like, and I guess he blew up the Sark or he intended to blow up the tomb so that nobody else could look. Oh, yeah. He blew up the sarcophagus so that nobody else could locate the tomb. But apparently everything except for the three cloth pieces that they needed. A little sketchy there yeah. if I'm it nitpicking. Was, yeah, but. it was shredded, so they had to work with it. But yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it the way that they showed it, it looked like it should have just been incinerated with everything else. So it was a little sketchy. Um, Anton, I, I, one thing I did like about him is when Layla kind of first got there, he was saying, like, I take my responsibility pr- to preserve this history very seriously. Yeah. And of course, like, you know, Arthur comes in and blows it up. Yeah. But like it does make more sense of why Anton would want to follow Arthur because you know Anton actually really does care about what he is protecting, what he yeah. thinks he's protecting. But again, it's like bro, you just blew up like one of my most prized possessions. What the fuck? Yeah, and he shows him the cane and he says like you know mm. this is an artifact and mm. it's one of the you know and he basically is almost saying like there's more and I'll the, get you some more. He's the, he's giving him proof of concept. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. The one thing I was thinking about, you know, episode two, how they didn't see the, not the dogs. What's their actual name? The, jackal. The Jackal. The Jackal. That's another jackal. family guy. I think Jackal. <laughs> jackal. The Jackal the first time. I would have Jackal the three. Um, God. <laughs> but maybe he didn't summon a Jackal or something like that because, as we know, normal people can't, can't see, see it. it. So Anton would be like, yo, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, good call. Um, good call. I, I, I think... Um, like what you guys were talking about, you need to be an avatar to have the site. You know, Arthur doesn't have a site anymore. And that was like another question. Like, we don't really know Arthur's main goal. Like, he always says he wants to to bring back Amit. But is that because do you think he misses being an avatar? Do you think he misses having that site and he wants to become Amit's avatar? Or do you think he like fully believes in everything Amit was saying about creating a heaven on earth? I think he buys into it, if yeah. I'm being honest. And I made the point that I said this on the last episode, like people do use walking across glass like that's an actual spiritual thing. The fact that he's doing it closed off in his own shoes and nobody else can see that he's doing that kind of leads me. And I think it's supposed to lead the audience to believe that, like, he's not doing that for show. He actually buys into what he preaches to. So I think he buys into bringing Amit back because he genuinely believes that she can purge the world of all evil people and create heaven on earth. Agreed. I think he's in. And gotcha. also, he has no love lost for Kanchu or the gods, I don't think. So I don't think he's rushing to get that site back. 
Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And that's where I stand. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree 100% with what you're saying. My confusion is if you resurrect her, does that mean that she's just another god like the other gods so that she can have an avatar as well? Or is there something different about resurrecting her where I guess it's, Ooh. yeah, I don't like, know. Like, is she going to be trapped? Like, Arthur's going to get in there. They're going to see a little stone statue just like Hanshu got trapped in. That's what I'm saying. To... It's got to be something like that. And then I would assume that she goes back to normal. Has she an goes, right. Goes back to normal and can. Well, yeah. See, I don't know, because Arthur said that Kanshu can't do anything, meaning to the outside world, unless it's through his avatar. And I'm wondering if that's every single God. I guess that's true. But, you know, through, with Amit, then that I guess that would mean that she would take Arthur as her avatar to do what she needs to do. I, I don't know. It kind of seems like the other gods are operating through their avatars by choice. And then I kind of connected the dots that they took that ability to choose away from Kanchu because he was abusing it. And I'm okay. assuming that since all of them are seeming, they seem to be afraid of Amit being resurrected, that she would not be barred down by having to operate through an avatar. So I think if she gets resurrected, re- excuse me, resurrected, we're going to be dealing with full-blown god off the rails okay yeah so i'm guessing here that Kanchu is a god but they do say that he's pretty much excommunicated or whatever so i think that's mm-hmm. a great point that you said there brian so that's probably his punishment is that yeah you could still have an avatar yeah you're still a god but you're not going to be able to do what you did because you almost exposed us last time yeah i'm not sure what what the fine points of his banishment are. That's another thing. We might just have to wait and see. It's like, I'm not sure where the gods operate when they're not like in control of their avatars. So maybe it was a banishment of Kanchu from their little secret club operating. And maybe like he can only do anything and command any sort of influence through his avatar. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm really not sure. Right. Right. Um, But this is all just theorizing, so I think it might just be bet to, best to table that one for a later discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, bringing us back to the episode, Sarcophagus is destroyed, and right when Arthur shows up, Conchu is telling Mark, bro, time to suit up. Get that suit on. We got to make moves. Because Conchu knows that if they lose the sarcophagus, then they lose their lead mm-hmm. or lead on Amit's tomb's location. Sarcophagus blows up and no sooner than it does, everyone's like, oh, Mark's gone. And then we get this awesome shot of Moon Knight on the top of the pyramid display, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he just like jumps down. Awesome cape, like full blown crescent moon. Yeah, I-, I love the suit like the. The superhero Moon Knight or the vigilante Moon Knight is a badass and yeah. he looks good. Agreed. Yeah, he does. And his powers are sweet. We got the one line from Conchu before he got turned like prison in stone. Like, oh, what would you be without my healing suit? So, like, as we yeah. know, it helps him heal, hence why he didn't die <laughs> yeah, when he was in pain. <laughs> Because that's like pretty like high level power to be able to fucking just basically be immortal. That's like fucking yeah, you're almost you're like Thor yeah. too, like almost. I mean, you're probably on the level where it's like Thor, then you, then you as in Moon Knight, then mm-hmm. you know, and then obviously our humans with superhuman abilities, like Cap. maybe Cap, Bucky, you know, things like that. And then we have obviously like Black Widow's um 
Falcon slash Cap. So I was going to say new Cap. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to have a discussion about this, but who wins in a fight? Straight up, Moon Knight or Captain America? Ooh. Oh, oh gosh! I'm right off the yeah, I mean, uh, no wait, discussion. Okay. And we're talking, we're talking MCU, right? Yes. So he gets like Ooh. he gets the hammer. No, no, no. You're saying he's saying, oh no, Cap, no hammer for hammer? Cap. He gets the shield. He gets the shield. Okay. Cap gets the shield. No hammer. Uh, I don't know, man. I gotta see some. I want to say Moon Knight off the top of my head, just because he literally can't die if he has that suit. I don't know what the limits to that is. If he like can't hold the suit for more than like an hour or something at a time, Listen, I would say Mark's Moon Knight with the CIA yeah. training would probably beat him, especially considering it's a healing suit. So I feel like Cap wouldn't be able to do damage. But Cap could do this all day. Do you yeah. think <laughs> he's got America's yeah, that's ass? So. That's the truth. Yeah, let um, me just yeah, let me just say that I feel like the MC will figure would figure out a way for Cap to win, but yep. I would believe in this scenario that I agree. I don't see how Cap actually could. They both have this superhuman or strength. Cap can heal a little bit, but it, I don't not necessarily heal, but he doesn't get hurt as as easily. Mm-hmm. But Moon Knight is just straight up like superhuman strength, jumping far. I can heal myself being impaled by three spears. Like, I don't see how Moon Knight loses as long as it's Mark and and as long as he is in full control. Without the healing abilities of the suit, I think that would be a really good fight to watch. Um, And I think I want to leave it there because there is no right or wrong (laughs) answer to this. So the fight happens and it's a really cool setting for the fight because like I just said, there's this whole jousting arena. There's like, fully armored people on on horses and stuff like it looks pretty cool yeah layla Uh, was holding her own right yeah layla layla gets a one-on-one with the head of security beck who you know that dude can take care of himself and the fact that she could go toe-to-toe with him means that well not go toe-to-toe she beat him in single combat so she she did she fucking killed him freaking spike to the chest from her sweet necklace that she had collar holy Dude, what's Man. with all these archaeologists being badasses like Indiana Jones? Like, you got a real life archaeologist. <laughs> We're not going to be doing these freaking nerds, you know, dude. Yeah, adventures. But yeah, she she was in, impressing me with how much she could actually fight and stuff like that. And I guess yeah. that's like her whole raised on a dig site, like growing up tough backstory that we got in a little bit in the beginning, but. Yeah, and I'm it's sure she like, got some training when she knew she was going to be working the black market. But this is one of the first times in a long time in the MCU, and maybe it is setting a precedent. I don't. I would obviously have to go back, but she straight killed him. A protagonist yeah. straight yep. took two daggers, whatever you want to call them, and stabbed him in the chest and killed him. We're, that's the Moon Knight. Cool yeah, that's the Moon Knight scenario. That's what people were asking for. Not necessarily as bloody as people were asking for, but she straight killed a guy and she's a protagonist. As long as I get those sorts of scenes, I don't care if it's like overly bloody or anything like that. Like in episode two, when he impaled the jackal on that church spire, like that was that was enough for the MCU for me. Like personally, that satisfies my my quench for like goriness. Yeah. And we've obviously. Oh, okay. Let me hear. (laughs) Who would have fight? Layla or Sharon? Sharon Carter. Sharon, Sharon, hundred percent. Sharon, yeah. Is she's a scroll. Is she's a scroll, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. But I, I do want to say though that obviously in the MCU we've seen people shoot guns. You know, mm-hmm. Cap has taken a gun and shooting stuff. But 
it's there's a difference when you're especially in the MCU where you're having superheroes and you're disarming someone and maybe shooting guns at them or you're Sharon and you're shooting and we end up finding the heel turn from Sharon anyway. But a protagonist straight taking two daggers to somebody's chest, that's a little bit different. And that's going to that next level. And that's what we asked for. And we'll get that hopefully for Daredevil, Blade, Punisher, all of that coming up. Like good stuff. Hell yeah, man. So Layla is scrapping it up with Beck. Mark is scrapping it up with the bodyguards. Um, but Mark starts getting distracted by Steven again, saying, Steven, don't finish him. Don't do it. Don't do it. And we get another one of these blackouts. And when when the, the scene <laughs> comes to, we have Moon Knight and, you know, all suited up in his white suit saying, all right, all right, everybody, let's just chill. <laughs> chill out for a second and then a second lance just comes out of nowhere through his back he's like all right take it back mark take, take it back, back take yep. it back <laughs> i love how it's steven he's like chill the f out guys <laughs> yeah. dude such a dork and i love it uh but i do want to bring up the fact that people are a little upset with mr knight i think they're doing it fine like i think it's comedy and it's fine but mr knight in the comics is Another scenario where Mark will use he's still Mark and he's using this suit as a way to look like a superhero, a more respectable superhero to the to the audience. He looks like a badass. He's still a badass. But the show is making it like, all right, it's the comedic relief when it's Mm. Steven. He turns into the suit and he is comedy he's, he's not so a fighter and, so and mr the, knight is in the comics could still be badass yeah he's the same but, dude it's still moon yeah. knight it's just i'm wearing something different and i could still eh. mess you up i, I don't like really, that they yeah yeah i, I like that they it. involved it like or they just put it in even if it isn't mr knight being a badass just because yeah, it's just another shoot. i just so i cool. just like that mark and Steven, their suit manifests differently because their yeah. personalities are such a stark contrast from each other. It makes sense that their suits would reflect that. And again, yeah. going back to the comics, this isn't supernatural. You know, Mark wears the vigilante cape and Kevlar vest and all this stuff when he's Moon Knight. He specifically chooses, hey, I'm going to put on a white suit and a white mask and look like a superhero. It makes sense for the show, just like you said. Mark would have one suit and Steven would have another because it's supernatural. It's not a, a choice to let me go buy this stuff and make my suit. Yeah, I wonder what um what the extent of Conchu's powers are because like when they do summon the suit, they do summon some weapons as well. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, like can they summon any weapon? Is it just like there's a certain limit? Because well, Brian be- had that question in episode two as well. Like, what's the limit on this here? what they can manifest period like could they just summon a job i don't know a ladder or something (laughs) if they need a A ladder ladder. that was such a lame example because they can jump (laughs) a million feet high high. but like could they you know it doesn't work like that certainly with the weapons because when he first put on the suit he was like oh what are these two rods so that Mm. i'm agreeing with that question paul yeah uh but bringing us back uh layla takes care of back takes the cloth from the sarcophagus and then goes to try and help Mark, uh, who Mark is able to help himself. I I mean, come on now, Mm -hmm. which he does. But then Anton is on a horse and is trying to run down Layla. Mark swoops in, saves her at the last second, and then flings one of his moon knives. You know, we have moon knight and he throws a moon knight. Yeah, K-N-I-F-E. But... He nails Anton in the back. That's an off-screen death. I don't think that's Is the it last we're going to... 
it, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. an off-screen death. I think yeah. I don't think that's the last we're going to see of Anton. I think yeah. he's just our token rich person with a million resources that will probably align himself with Arthur now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And I do want to bring up, we forgot about this, but early when he summons the suit and they're shooting all the bullets and he saves Layla with the yes. cape and it's like a shield, it's like the Batman cape and then he holds the bullets and then shoots them all back out freaking badass Love shot him it. back out yep. i did not know that he was going to be able to do that no, that was that was really cool actually badass forgot about that mm-hmm. uh okay so now that we've kind of dealt with all the bodyguards and the goons layla and mark share a car i wrote home but they're not home so to the yeah, apartment wherever to, the desert, to, a, yeah. to a safe place in the desert i guess um Layla kind of starts to question, hey, what was oh, the one thing we glanced over was that Arthur had these strange insights into both Mark and Layla. She Arthur seemed to know what was going on with Layla's dad's mysterious disappearance. Mm -hmm. And then, like Jimmy said earlier, he was just like, oh, and by the way, Mark knows more than he's letting on to you. I'm not sure if he was saying that those two were related or if there's just another secret overarching about Conchu and Steven that he's not being entirely truthful for, but he definitely did seem like he was hiding something from mm-hmm. Layla. I mean, um, and as soon as he says it, Mark's like, he doesn't say it out loud, but he mouths. Yeah. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Layla kind of calls him out in this scene now that they're able to get a beat. And it's just like, Hey, by the way, what was all that Arthur was saying about you not being truthful to me? And then she, Mark is like kind of deflects and just clearly doesn't want to answer it. But Layla then comes like, dude, you're such a secretive guy. You're a former CIA agent. I just found out you have this other personality that you were hiding from me. Like, it seems like every time I figure something out about you, like, it just goes to show how much more I have to find out about you. And I feel like I really don't know you as a person. And Mark's just kind of like, yeah, you're absolutely right in that. You really don't know me as a yeah. person. Cause I got a lot of secrets, but that's kind of the nature of the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he puts on a nice white shirt for, our, for our boy moon Knight. Yes, he does. He was pissed about his uh, jacket. He really liked that. Yeah. Jacket. It's a nice jacket, um, but yeah, now uh, we're getting to the yeah. point where they're in the desert. Right. And, this is another cool scene because Layla's sitting there and Mark is losing his shit because he knows that they just can't figure this out. And yeah. Layla's like, all right, let's Steven in. Might need Get to let in. <laughs> yeah. And I love how he smashed the, the he pulls the mirror off the car and he yeah. just like walks over without saying anything to Layla and he throws it down. He's like, fine, take it. And then here comes Steven and he figures that shit out in two seconds. Yes, yeah. he does. And this was the scene where I was just like brilliant acting from Oscar Isaac. One yep. second he's Mark, the other second he's Steven. Um, and I really love seeing Steven, man. <laughs> he's such a nice guy. Very pleasant to be around. The accent is doing it for me, but he's I love that right when he takes control, he's like giving Layla a history lesson while he's like solving it. Like he's so into it and just nerdy. I think it's just such a good portrayal. I, I can't say that enough, um, but they do get to figure out the map and the constellations, but there's another hitch in the uh, another hitch in the road. 
this Senfu guy was around 2000 years ago. So the constellations in the cloth map reflect the night sky 2000 years ago, stars drift. So, you know, they can't just look up now and have it be the same, which right. brings us to Kanchu, who said, oh, I remember that night. I remember every night. And this really cool scene where yeah. Kanchu uses his powers to move the cosmos. Uh, he says he can't do it alone. So Mark kind of has to help or Steven at this point has to help him out. And they're kind of just like moving and moving and moving it. Uh, it looked really good. The people in Cairo could see it, too. So I'm not sure how that's going to play out. Are they going to wipe everyone's memory of this happening? Um but they do move the stars back to when they needed it. Uh, Layla's got the machine trying to link up the coordination, uh, the coordinates, and it all works out except for Kanchu, who knew that this was going to have a cost. And while they're trying to finish it up, he gets locked in stone like yep. he knew was going to happen. And this was one of the first redeemable decisions I think Kanchu has made. He knew what was going to happen. He knew it had to be done. And he had the balls to say, tell Mark to save me when I'm buried in stone or whatever. Yeah. If I was Mark, I would have no inclination to want to save this dude after what he's put me through. But we'll we'll see how it plays out. I'm sure they're probably going to need Conchu's help again. Yeah, that's what I was. I was kind of confused because, you know, episode one, episode two, we're not really sure what Conchu's deal is. If Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? He's threatening to use Layla as the new avatar. So, like, he's getting some mm-hmm. bad traits. But then he pretty much just straight up made this sacrifice and was like, I know what's going to happen. You know, tell Mark, you know, come get me out. So I was like, is Conchu really good? I mean, like he said, he's the only one actually helping humanity. He says yeah. all the other gods actually abandoned humanity. So I'm getting the vibe that even though he's kind of an asshole, this big old bird guy is is actually good yeah and i feel like we are gonna have that exact conversation brian that you said where he's just gonna be like mark is gonna be told by steven Concho asked him asked you to save him and he's gonna say why the hell would i do that we're good we're free now and then we're gonna get to a scenario where he needs the suit and he needs Concho, and then they're gonna free them or free him however they can yeah, so that's the other interesting thing is I'm assuming they will not have access to the suit as long as Kanchu yeah. is in the stone, right? Yeah, the suit disappeared. Yeah. So that is definitely going to hinder them as they attempt to kind of chase after Arthur, especially if they don't have the other gods on their side. Um, yeah, they're going to be fighting an uphill battle, I think, for these last three episodes. Mm-hmm. And let's just get to the final scene because I want to ask you guys what it. your opinion is where... We have which which god was it, Brian? Was it the main god? Osiris, I think. Osiris, yeah. Talking to Arthur about the statue, saying, you know, he forced Mm -hmm. our hand. Why is Arthur a part of this conversation? I was just thinking that. I don't know. Yeah. So is this god on Arthur's side? Because they said that Amit they didn't they weren't allowed to know where her tomb is because they don't want any of the gods to turn and to let her out. Is one of them on Arthur's side, or is Arthur just being respected right now for what he's done and what he knows? Is this guy bad, too, this god? We're having a bad god on on the side of Arthur. But whatever it is, it's sketchy that he yeah. was even involved. And in the Great Pyramid, again, he had to be portaled in so that this god could be like, there he is, man, Conchie's a stone now. And yeah. then... You know, I was thinking that too. Yeah. Was that like HR 
like coming in apologizing for like the slander. <laughs> he was yeah. mean to you. We fired Sorry him. about that. Yeah. But look, see see what we did. We fired yeah. him. We're good. Yeah. We took yeah. care of it. Don't please don't sue us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it felt like. That's a good point, Jimmy, though. I never really thought that there might be someone on the inside working against the other Egyptian gods, but that would track. And it would also explain why he was so quick to glance over the evidence that Kanchu was presenting. Like, mm-hmm. look at this, bro. He's going after Amit's tomb. Uh, I'm blind to that. Whatever. Let him go. He hasn't done anything yet. Right. That would track. I just don't. I feel like the gods are good and. I shouldn't say that. We don't Good know entities. shit about yeah. these Egyptian yeah. gods. Um, it's, it's very plausible. It's it bold. is bold. It, it is plausible. I, I don't know why Arthur would have been invited back for that scene. You're right. Yeah. And it's bold to have a god become a villain, especially in a scenario like we're having Moon Knight. There's been talk on the Reddit. Moon Knight is considered, quote unquote, a street level superhero on the, along the lines of Daredevil, Punisher, Luke Cage, etc. Now, in the comics, the reason for that is because he literally puts on the suit and he's Batman and he's a human. They're still considering him street level in the MCU, and that's why the people on Reddit are saying, why do you consider him that? He is a superhero with superhuman abilities now. It's probably just going to be their reasoning is that he will stick to the street crime, and that's the reason. But when you have a god become a villain in a show where you're saying that Moon Knight is technically a street-level superhero. What, are we going to kill a god here? Or something like that? Like, how are we going to stop a god? I I understand that Amit could be something because we can stop her resurrection, or maybe she gets resurrected and we somehow reverse it. But to have another god be bad, what are we going to do, kill him? Or just have the other gods encase him in stone? Uh, You know, it's it gets a little bit big. And we did and they did say for the MCU phase four, bigger, 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 bigger. Mm-hmm. But Off we Earth. already saw that with Eternals and things like that. But it is it's yeah. bold for for Moon Knight. Yeah, it's weird. It's like, you know, in the comics, it's this dude that stops carjackings and burglaries. Yeah. And he's like, you know, having conversations with gods at this point. So it's definitely a, a big tone shift. I don't I think he's up there. Moon Knight's freaking up there, like we said, with freaking Thor and at this um, point, yeah, like Ms. Marvel, uh, Captain Captain Marvel, Ms. Marvel, there, Ms. Marvel's uh, gonna be a show soon, yeah, yeah, yeah. there is like, Ms. Marvel. He's on the like, I feel like Moon Knight is on that level of extraterrestrial, like, yeah, power, yeah. But, I wouldn't yeah, put I, him Thor level, but I would put him close because it's either way, when you summon the suit, you're using a god's power, yeah, yeah, and like, are the gods just like when they're not. Like in their avatars, are they chilling on Earth? Are they somewhere else? Not on Earth. They basically said straight up that they're just spectating through the avatar. They're up in up in the air, eating their grapes and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe there's the possibility that this is only his power situation for the purposes of this series. And maybe by the end of this season, like Conchu will be out of the picture and maybe Mark just continues to hold the mantle, makes his own costume, him and Steven are this duo crime fighting pair that would scale him back to street level. But I'm just hypothesizing because you're right. He is not street level right now, but they are labeling him as such. So damn, that's actually cool. I didn't think about that, that maybe Conchu actually does leave after this season and he becomes street level just and chooses to make his own suit and be a vigilante. Yeah, I like the, that. I, I like that possibility. Well, okay. Well, 
I have a little higher vibe section right here. Mm. So let's start this off with B Tom's high vibe. Do you think Moon Knight will have the, the healing ability in the suit after the show? That goes along with what I was just saying, honestly, but that would certainly scale him back um, to that street level status. Ah. I feel like they, they showed this extra power. I feel like they're going to bring it back somehow. You're right. I agree. And I tend to, to align with that reasoning. So I, I will say, yes, he will continue to have the suit and the powers and the healing. Yeah. To everyone listening or watching who's not been a part of our what if or fat dubs or WandaVision, higher vibe is high. We totally disagree with Paul. He's high as shit. The vibe is we're vibing with you, bro. And I want to say I'm vibing with you. I really do like a lot what Brian, what you said about the possibility of him just being a vigilante at some point and this just being a sweet introduction to him and to Kanchu. And it's like an origin story in the way where Kanchu, yes, he did exist. In the comics, it was always iffy. And it was always, is it his mental illness that caused this? But in this, this could be an origin story where, yes, Kanchu existed. Yes, we had a season of you having powers. And at the end of it, you learned that maybe Kanchu was right in a way, but you don't have the power for whatever reason, and you choose to become a vigilante slash superhero in the future when you're working in New York or wherever with Daredevil, Punisher, Ghost Rider, whatever. But honestly, like you said, Paul, they introduced it. I feel like because they introduced it and it's a thing that they won't get rid of it lightly. Mm -hmm. So and people may just be like, all right, so why did you just give us a season of that and then take it right back? You might as well just introduce him as a vigilante. So eh, I'm I'm vibing with you, but it would be cool. All right. So. This other one, I need a, a little correction here before I ask. When Steven was on the phone with his mother, was he talking to her or only leaving messages? Leaving messages, I would say. So, higher vibe, Steven's mother doesn't exist. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. He has talked to her on the phone, and I can't believe we haven't really brought this up ever. Every time he talks to her, he's always mm-hmm. leaving a message. Mm-hmm. And it's always when it's Steven, we've never seen Mark talking to this person. Damn. Maybe I, if, if Steven's personality just came out of nowhere, like Mark died, I have a feeling that she doesn't exist. Yeah. Because Steven really didn't exist. So why would she exist? Unless it's literally Steven talking to Mark's mom, which wouldn't make sense because he's saying it's Steven. So yeah, I'm yeah. vibing with you, bro. You're doing You're on a roll. I'm vibing with that too. This was this was a really good higher vibe, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, yeah, I'm vibing with that. I do not think that the mom exists. I'm starting to lean towards it as Mark's body, and Steven is the one that just kind of showed up. Mm-hmm. They've done a really good job of not having either of them say anything that would suggest one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. Um, not not to go too far into it, but like when they did ask Mark if he was sick, they didn't ask steven uh you know they they brought mark so it was like it right. was mark's body mark's personality but mm-hmm. i don't know you could yeah. argue no i mean there. there's been some hints obviously the whole layla thing you know you're mark and i have no idea steven existed them asking for mark not for steven you know it does seem like mark is just like the comics the the main person but we talked about this in episode one and two it's bold to make steven so likable because 
you would want Steven to be the main guy, to be our guy, and then have Mark come out when he wants to be a badass. It's going to be back and forth, just like they're doing. It's going to get better and better where they're actually homies. And it's going to be probably easier for their, for them to communicate where it almost maybe seems 50-50. But um, at this point, yeah, it has to be. I would say it has to be Mark. Steven is there as the mental illness. And maybe the third entity is Jake. You know, maybe Jake, like in the comics, he's the street guy getting getting the rumors, whatever, talking to the people on the streets. Maybe they're just going to say a situation with like Sylvie where, you know, she's not Enchantress. She's not Loki. Oh, wait, she is Loki. Maybe Jake is just going to be used as a name because we know Jake exists in the comics and he is going to be that third badass if it's not conscious. Yeah. He's the one that always goes back and talks to the gold dude, the gold street performer. Yeah, man. Jake's informant. Because I did hear you say that, that the, the, that is actual the Gold Street performer in the comics was his, you know, yeah. informant, which is sweet. But you know, the third personality talk that'll bring me to my last higher vibe for today. So that when Steven found the phone, it was a bunch of Layla, 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 and then there was one other name, Duchamp. Yep. Do you think that the third personality, third personality called Duchamp, or is Duchamp like somebody with Mark? So basically, higher vibe. The third personality is the one that called Duchamp. Oh, okay. So you're not saying that Duchamp is the third personality. You're saying that the third personality called Duchamp. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Hmm. Okay. That's a vibe because, Jimmy, you were saying Duchamp is like a known accomplice to Mark, right? So right. I feel like it would track that Mark was the one that made that call. So you're hot. You're saying he's high then. Because yeah, I'm saying, saying he's high. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. I think you're high just because of what we know from the comics. I do think that they're just going to keep it as like he's another CIA military, I guess we could say, partner of Mark. And we'll see him soon because I think the point of the phone was that it was a missed call, just like Layla was all missed calls, not calls mm-hmm. made. So I would. Oh, yeah. Well, I would, that really throws a dart in that hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, dude. You're two, two for three, man. And those two were good. <laughs> Now, before we end the episode, we have to talk about the last, last scene. And the last, last scene is Arthur talking to Kanchu, and he asks the God, can Kanchu hear? And he says, we believe that they can. And he basically starts talking that shit while he knows Mm -hmm. that Kanchu can't do anything. And the big thing for me was back to my theory from episode two of why he's walking on the glass is he admits He says, I enjoyed hurting people when I was your avatar. I enjoyed it. And you made me who I am by being who you are as wrathful and and brutal as you are. And you led me to Amit pretty much. So I kind of think that was confirmation that the glass feet are penance for him saying, I freaking liked hurting people, man. Yeah. I liked being your avatar, but I understand, like you said, Brian, I understand and I have bought into Amit and that's not the right thing. So I'm going to take penance every day for who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting that vibe as well. And um, yeah, just the way you laid that out, it's, it makes sense. You know, here's this, here's this guy that went around killing people in the name of a God who abandoned him. Um, like maybe he does feel horrible and want to, at least by by giving himself pain every day, he he will never allow himself to forget what he's yeah. done. Yeah, 
I agree with that. And that I think that's just further support for kind of how we were talking about it on the last episode. So we already mm-hmm. came to that conclusion kind of, but I think yeah. this has given us uh, more evidence of that being true. I don't have anything else for this episode. If you guys are good to wrap it up. Awesome. We're going to be covering Moon Knight's first season in its entirety with weekly discussions after the episodes drop. And if this is your first time listening or watching our podcast, welcome and be sure to check out our previous series on WandaVision, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, and just a ton of other shows. As always, if you like what you heard, give Benchtown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on BenchtownTV.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, YouTube, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Our Patreon is up and running, so if you want to support the pod, that's a great way to do so, and that can also be found on our website at BenchtownTV.com. Once again, we are Benchtown TV. And thanks for listening. Love good it. night. That felt good. That was a good app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.